Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's going on, you good humans? Welcome to a special bonus episode of Good Humans Podcast. Another Be Kind to the Environment episode. This time, we are at Dubbo at a school out there called St. John's, and it's just a great, great day we had out there. So myself and a team of us ran a Be Kind to the Environment workshop with a bunch of students and to spread a bit of the message that we've been teaching and to understand what the students learnt, what the teacher and the principal of the school learnt, but also what some of our guests spoke about, we decided we'll do a little podcast episode. So in the episode today, you're going to hear from the school principal, you're going to hear from one of the school science teachers, two of the students, and you're also going to hear from a great friend of mine by the name of Stephen Rodden, who is an ex-NASA scientist uh, who now created a robot that builds uh, coral reefs. Fascinating guy. You're going to love the end of this episode. If you enjoy this episode, make sure you hit like or subscribe. Go check out all the other stuff we do on Good Humans Podcast. So many incredible episodes. And yeah, let's uh, jump into today's episode, the Be Kind to Your Environment at St. John's School in Dubbo. I'm here with Nicole Watt, the principal of Dubbo High School. How awesome was that for the students to get to hear from NASA scientists, from some people, some young people really made an impact in the environment? These last two hours, Cooper, have just been extraordinary. Like to have the calibre of these um, amazing young people who have a desire to make a difference in the world and to share their story with our community. One, I feel extremely privileged, but two, I think life is about all of these sliding door moments where you get given an opportunity to make a difference. And today I think there was a massive sliding door for our kids to get involved, to get invested and to hear that as one single person you can make a massive difference to the world. And I really liked what you were saying. It's about changing your world, not the world. Um, and I think that message came through really loud and clear today it's really exciting yeah it's really cool i think sometimes it's just that spark of curiosity you need sometimes the kids might not come up with a solution today but it's that first step and sometimes by having someone talk about the um, environment through one view and then someone talking about it through another is where you start to kind of relate for students because i feel like a lot of us do like i say feel a bit overwhelmed like what can I really do like I'm just one person but I think events like this can really inspire students to go okay well what can I do not what can't I do it's what can I do and it's that simple stuff isn't it like when we hear Sam's story about thinking about how do I change plastic straws from making um, a a wheat based straw that's going to be biodegradable really simple idea and you sit around going wow how come somebody didn't come up with that already and you know today to the extraordinary work um, that's happening with our NASA scientist who's completely changed careers to growing coral to help keep our oceans safe and thriving as they once were um you know to the story of i'm going to get twelve thousand petitions to say that we don't want to have uh, single-use plastics in our environment anymore like the range of the difference that people can make and it's really simple stuff apart from the nasa scientist it's really simple stuff and doable for all of us and yeah i really hope that all of our kids who are passionate about what the future holds have an opportunity to think about something that's really burning deep inside them yeah. and gives them an opportunity to make some change it's so important i usually say this quote but i didn't say it in my one of your like this today but i always say to people you've got to try and be conscious of your choices and take responsibility for your actions and so many of us have making choices all day every day that we're not conscious of 
we're not taking responsibility when we're doing stuff that are negative choices. But yeah, I think we really need to do that. Last question. You're the principal of school here in Dubbo. Yeah. What's your favourite thing about Dubbo? You know what? I, um, I have lived in lots of different places in my career as a teacher. Uh, one of my favourite things about Dubbo is the welcoming community here. Um, I love the connection to Aboriginal culture out here. Um, the Wiradjuri Nation is incredibly strong. Um, I'm very grateful to the Tabaka people who um, share their story about how they look after the land and how they have for thousands of years created this amazing um, stewardship of the land to make sure it's around for the next generations. We have a lot to learn um, from our Aboriginal friends. Um, and also, I just love this St John's College community. It's an amazing school, an amazing town. Well, it's been so much fun coming out here. Well, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, and, yeah hope you guys welcome back. We'll welcome you back. Right, Thanks so wait. much. I'll come back and do my mental health ones. Okay, soon. great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Got our second guest on the podcast. We just had your principal on the um, podcast for a bit of a chat on what she yeah. thought, how cool it was for us to come out here and have a bit of a chat to the students. So I'm here with Archie. Mate, what did you think of the workshop? Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Um, yeah, it was very professional. What about, what about some of the takeaways for someone who lives out here in the country, uh, out in Dubbo, a bit more rural, I guess, for yeah. a world ocean workshop? Yeah. What did you learn that maybe you guys, how you can have an impact and why it's important to protect our oceans? Yeah, uh, it's, you know, talked about how what we could do. Mm. So with the bins, with the, you know, trying to use less plastic, you know, when you're at the shops, not going for the, you know, the things where you buy, it comes in the big wrapper and then there's individually wrapped. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so important. I think with the rubbish stuff, just being conscious of our choices. So often every time we make a purchase, if we're purchasing plastic, we're contributing to, yeah. I guess, the problem. Although it is very easy to just blame the corporations. But yeah. once we start going, well, it's probably not going to change too much until we start making some decisions where we stop purchasing things that they're creating with all these um, plastic <coughs> plastic products. So it's yeah. so important that we do start to take a little bit more control back to ourselves as well. Did you know that, um, yeah, two-thirds of the air that we breathe comes from the ocean? Did you know that before no. today? No, I didn't. Yeah, it's pretty important. Yeah. yeah, and it probably doesn't help that they stop doing the red cycle mm. where you'd get the soft plastics and take them to Woolies or Coles or wherever. Yeah. We used to do that, but now they've stopped it. Yeah, that's where it comes back to us or... Um, one of our other legends who's here doing one of the talks, Sophia, she talked about how at her school they did a bit of an audit of their rubbish where they went through and went, oh, wow, look how much food scraps we're putting just in our red bin. Let's actually start trying to be, be, be a bit more conscious every time we get rid of our trash. So really important. I guess last thing, what um, what's one of the one things you reckon leaving here today you're going to be able to do a little bit more, pick it a bit more trash? What's the one yeah. thing that you think today? Yeah, I'd say when you're down at sport, people leave rubbish about and that can blow anywhere. Just pick that up, put it in the bin and with the sort through the rubbish as well. Yeah. You know, don't just be lazy and chuck it all in the red. Yeah. Search through it properly and yeah. Mate, I love that. Easy little one that we can do ourselves. Well, thanks yeah. so much for jumping on no, Good Humans Podcast. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having us Cheers. at school. All right, we've got our third guest, Charlotte, from here at St. John's School. What did you think of the workshop today, Charlotte? I thought it was very amazing, very, very eye-opening. Like, I never, like, I've always what kind of related to the kids that started things in, in high school, but I've never really understood, like, how and how achievable that is. Mm. And, and they just did it. Yeah. And it just kind of, kind of opened my eyes to how accessible taking action is. Yeah, because I feel like quite often when we're young, we sort of think, oh, I can't really do much about it. Yeah. Kind of like when I spoke, I said, like, we think, oh, I can't change the world, so what's the point? 
But then a few of our speakers, like Cal, who um, saw that, hey, there's an opportunity to put solar on our roof at our school, and he actually petitioned for it and then made it happen. And then um, the amazing Soph, Plastic Free Soph, who saw all the rubbish at her um, football fields, and she yeah. was like, you know what, I want to actually make an impact, got the signatures. Now in New South Wales, there's no single-use plastic bags because of her, just a young girl at school. It's got to be nice to have someone like that come and show you what's possible, yeah? Yeah. What are a few of the things after listening to today's workshop that you think you individually maybe you can do moving forward? Um, changing my mindset, I think, is, is a big thing. And like you said, changing your mindset, then you can change your accents. Mm, accents. Actions. <laughs> <laughs> actions. Um, like like what you're exactly what you're talking about. Changing my mindset from I can't really do this because I can't change the world, but I can change my world. Mm. So, you know, like. Every, every small thing, like turning off lights and picking up rubbish, I can do, but I think I'm going to try and make a little bit extra effort, like, I don't know, maybe going out of my way to pick up rubbish in the local area mm. or, it, you know, even like stuff tissues within my school or something like yeah. that. Yeah, and I love that the way that you said the change of mindset is so important because, like we said, it's like, oh, when you can't change the world, you can't really do much, but once you start to go and bring the why behind it, and that's yeah. why I love talking about the mental health aspect because it's like, Hey, when we're picking up rubbish, not because people are looking at us do it because we look good. It's like, no, because I really care about the environment. Yeah. We throw rubbish in them and it makes us feel good. We use a keep cup. It makes us feel good. We shop a little bit cleaner. It actually makes us feel good as a yeah. person because, hey, our values are aligned with taking care of the environment. So good yeah. on you. It's really you. special to hear that you had the mindset shift, not just the little shift of, oh, maybe I can pick up a bit more. Maybe I can recycle it better. It's like, oh, no, I want to do it because, yeah, this actually matters to me. And now yeah. hopefully you've got that inspiration to, yeah, take some actions moving forward. So thanks so much for having me out at your school. Thank you very much. You're the best, Charlotte. Thanks so Thank much. Thank you very much. All right, I've got my fourth guest here, one of the teachers here at St. John's High School at uh, Dubbo, Joe Sunny. How you going, mate? Thank you so much, Cooper. Yes, I'm going great. And it was fantastic to have you guys here at St. John's um, doing this workshop. Yeah, right. it's been amazing. So you're the science teacher here? Yeah, the, I work as head of science. Amazing. Uh, yeah. So how important do you think it was for those students to get a bit of an outside voice to share a whole range of aspects around the environment and, yeah, how the different sciences come into that? Absolutely. I thought that was um, important for uh, the young people to listen to, um, you know, personalities um, like you guys, you know, who've done amazing work. Um, and I just always want to um, give them opportunity to celebrate science, mm. and especially environment. And the theme, I love that theme, you know, be kind to the environment. And I think instilling those um, those ideas at an early stage would definitely, you know, um, uh, be beneficial for them. Yeah, which is, it was actually beautiful. Charlotte, one of your students was in here just before you having a chat and she, and I said to her, what was the main thing that you got out of today? And you'll love this as a teacher. What she said was the main thing I got out of today was a mindset shift. And I was like, that's all you could really ask for. Oh, that absolutely. was exactly what we came here today. Obviously it's great to give some simple actions to implement, yeah. but that full mindset shift and understanding why we should be doing this and understanding the importance of taking care of the environment is so cool. And I think it comes back to, like you said, that word, the be kind of the environment. It's not, about saying like you have to do this it's like Absolutely. no you get to do this this should be something that we're all very proud of yeah so what are some of the things um through the science and through after today's workshop that you're thinking maybe we can try and implement and try and add into the school sort of agenda when it comes to the environment i think uh, to actually uh, talk about sustainability you know to uh, see you know how the uh, the young people can uh, get involved with that uh, the understanding is very important mm. i think um um, we need to really, you know, uh, preserve the environment uh, for and the resources for them. And uh, otherwise, they're going to be uh, taking the brunt. 
and mm. and I feel that they have a key role to play. You know, um, like for example, technology. Yeah. Uh, a global perspective would be, uh, you know, to to um, to connect with people around the world. Uh, to see what's happening, you know, mm. that's one thing. And the creativity and innovation, which these guys, they are talented. Yeah. They've got that, and they can come up with ideas, you know. So that's where I think um, listening to you guys would have played an important role. Now, I want to actually, uh, you know, involve programs like um, small-scale research, which they can actually do at college. And we've got the infrastructures for that. And I'm also collaborating with um, University of Sydney and um uh, you know, there's a program which uh, the zoo is running, which we will be we are looking at, um, you know, collaborating with them as well so that uh, we can, our students are given opportunity to take part in active research. Mm. It's so important because I feel like at school there's obviously a pretty blanket umbrella where we get to exactly. learn. Whereas if you want to go out and to do these jobs that are going to help the world, stuff like being kind to the environment, whether it be the science route, like um, Stephen, who's going to come on for a second soon. I mean, how cool is having a NASA scientist yes. at your school? And talking I, know. <laughs> I know, that's amazing. Yes. And the work which he has done in coral reefs, I mean, corals, it's amazing. Oh, he's amazing. Everyone listening on the podcast, you're going to hear from Stephen very shortly. Yeah. But yeah, it's so important, I think, like yourself, to really expose the students to outside information, to outside resources, to try and bring a bit more of that, particular knowledge like at school we do get a bit of a blanket but when you start to go outside and find different things and have um hopefully things like us come into your school and really spark that curiosity is so so important yeah what do you, what do you think the students would have got out of today a lot i was talking to a number of them and uh, they all got inspired and uh, i think that's the first thing and i always say that you really need to inspire them mm. um, science um you know to, to get people thinking about something you need to inspire them you need to instill mm. the idea that okay yeah this is great you know uh, there's lots of hands-on things. There's a lot of uh, avenues for you to apply um, your ideas and, you know, uh, use it wisely, use it beneficially for society too. So I think um, some of them were actually um, came to me and said, Mr. Sunny, I want to actually uh, pursue uh, looking at, uh, you know, marine biology, um, listening to, you know, some of the speakers, there, mm. so, which is great. I think um, you've done a fantastic job. No, well, thank you so much. It's um, been our absolute pleasure to come out here. We loved getting to jump on the flight this morning, yeah. fly out to Davo first time. I've been out here and I've really enjoyed myself. So hopefully I can get back out and do some of my mental health stuff with the students out here next year. Absolutely. And yeah, continue to spread this message about the environment as well. So thanks so much. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Thanks a lot. Cheers, mate. Appreciate it. Cheers. All right. I'm here with my fifth and final guest for today's podcast, Stephen Rodden. Hey, you going, brother? I'm so good, man. How are you, Coop? I'm good. It's uh, It's been really nice to get to... What you speak today is someone who I'm super inspired by, probably the smartest person I know, NASA scientist. So what is a NASA scientist doing out at a Be Kind to the Environment workshop in Dubbo? And how have you gone from crazy engineer to still crazy engineer, but doing it, uh, helping out the environment? Man, well, first off, I just want to say thank you for this opportunity to chat about my passion for being here, as well as I was super inspired with your talk and with the fact that all of these students were so engaging. So I'm coming from North Queensland and I was given this opportunity by Tim Johnston to present and I couldn't make the first one down in Mossman and I was upset, but he was really, you know, trying to inspire me to come down for this one. And it was a difficult journey coming down, but I loved seeing just the passion that Tim has been putting in, into bringing this and creating this. And I just remembered when I was a child and growing up, I had some people really look and speak to me in these conferences or these assemblies and inspire me. And it's one of those paying it forward. Mm. But I took something from you, your speech today, which has always been a really big part of my life, which I get so much joy. 
by being here and speaking to these kids. It's it's a gift to me. I mean, they think I'm here giving them a gift, but the gift is actually the reciprocal. Uh, the excitement in their eyes, the questions afterwards. And overall, this is actually what keeps me going when times get tough. Because times have been tough. Starting a, a startup, living on a remote island and trying to do the deed. But um, seeing these these students uh, inspires me for the future and gives me the hope to keep going. Mm. So what you do and why you're here, because you didn't answer my question for me. It's like, and I appreciate that you're letting people know why it's so important for you to be here. But what you do is you mm. have a robot that takes care of coral. Yeah. So you went from NASA scientist to, yeah. you know what, I started to learn the impact that the coral reefs are beginning to yeah, tragically die and you're like how can I use these really smart brains of mine to make a big impact in the world so yeah tell me about charm and um beyond the coral your foundation yeah yeah so when I was a wee kid my old man kept bringing me to the reef and exposed me to the wonders and the riches of of Australia's uh resource the Daintree rainforest and the Great Barrier Reef now I loved it as a vacation spot right and uh but I grew up in the states um my dad focuses on the environment my mum focuses on focuses on public health. So I always knew that there was a connection between human health and environmental health from a very young age. But my mom's an academic and my dad's a politician or a bureaucrat. So I was just thinking like, you know, I'm kind of a bit of a black sheep. I'm going to be an engineer. I'm going to build some things. I'm going to build the future I want. Um, I got into uh, ocean engineering to start off when I went to MIT because I was like, well, I like the coral reefs. So maybe I'll try my hand at engineering for the ocean. But it was all funded by oil and shell and I thought maybe if I'm going to get into the oil industry or this is my future I might as well get into energy at large because energy is power and I asked my dad like we've got these problems like the great pacific garbage patch how are we going to clean it up and my dad said to me you know you need to find an economic incentive and I was, just didn't sit with me I was like mom never tells me uh I need to find an economic incentive to clean my room she just with the hand of god tells me I'm going to have to do it and find the energy. And I was mm -hmm. thinking if we could find the energy to power environmental cleanup missions, maybe we could really just go out and do it ourselves. And that was what drove me within energy. And I was going to be energy. I studied nuclear physics. I wanted to, I was president of the energy club. I was creating energy hackathons. Like energy was my game because I love the environment. And I wanted to make my business about making money, selling electrons, and powering up the things I wanted to see in the future. But when I was graduating, I saw report after report about the Great Barrier Reef, a place that I called home as a kid, uh, bleaching and dying. And I was just like, old man, hey, what's going on? So long story short, when I was seeing this, one of the key takeaways of being an engineer and just, I think, an entrepreneur is being a problem solver. Mm. And everywhere I looked, I saw this place has a really big problem. These coral reefs are in trouble. And everywhere I looked on the media, it was saying, just here's the problem, but I didn't find the solutions. And I was at MIT, I was speaking to the Environmental Protection or the White House. And even when I was at NASA, which we'll get to, I was looking for people who are actually solving the problem and not just studying the problem in higher detail. Because at a certain point when I was at NASA, I was thinking, guys, we understand there's a problem. Our oceans are rising, the temperature is getting warmer, our coral reefs are dying. We know this now. So what are we doing to intervene? And I wasn't getting any answers that made me feel like it was being solved. And I just couldn't imagine a future where these would be away. I mean, you look at the data, um, 
coral reefs are a fraction of a percent of the ocean floor and yet harbor a third of the entire ocean marine life. A billion people out of the eight billion on this planet depend on the food that a coral reef provides for the main source of livelihood. Uh, almost one in every $11 in our global market can be attributed to a coral and a wow. coral reef. They're so important. These little creatures about the size of a pinhead, you don't think that they have much impact, right? That one little coral is not essential, and yet you see a whole coral reef is one of the most essential ecosystems on the planet. It is a flagship for planet Earth. And we're inheriting a big problem, right? Um, and a lot of people get scared about how big this problem is and what can we do with our two hands. And I was thinking, you know, I'm, in a, I'm an engineer, I'm working at NASA, but what can I do with my two hands? And I looked next to me and I saw a lot of people also wondering how they could contribute. And that was a social problem. Mm. We want to help, but how? Mm -hmm. And that's why I started my foundation to begin with was, okay, there's a social problem. People want to contribute. They don't really know how. Maybe we can create a community where we educate, we share resource tools. And I use that an opportunity as a launch pad to travel the world and to see what people are doing. Big institutions and small nonprofits or, or restoration practitioners and I saw key problems throughout every scale, big or small. A lot of these really smart scientists were growing coral, pioneering the way for restoration. But one person can really only grow about 5,000 to 10,000 coral. And they spent about half of their week scrubbing tanks with a toothbrush. And you think, wow, these guys have dedicated their life to studying marine biology, to figuring out something to do but they spend about 20 to 30 hours a week scrubbing tanks. Wow. When you think about that life experience as a marine biologist, dedicate your life and then come out, I'm gonna save, help save the reef and then someone hands you a brush and says, great, now scrub the deck. That's not gonna be how we save our reefs. But the scrubbing and the cleaning is such an important aspect. So I asked these biologists like, hey, isn't there a better way like to automate these tasks so you can focus on like the next problem? And they're like, yeah, but we're biologists. We don't know computer coding or mechanical engineering and i was like that was the aha moment like ah well that's what i know how that's to do. exactly what i know <laughs> i might not know all that you know with coral reefs but I, I like to think i'm a reasonably good engineer you know and even if i have my self-doubts which i do all the time and i'm sure we all do but i know that it would be a life well lived even for a chapter but for my 20s to experience and getting to connect with these creatures and solving a problem that i think is a formidable one because if I could do one thing and one thing only, it would be to help solve this problem. Good on you, man. It's it's so cool. So so what have you done? You've created a robot yeah. that feeds, cleans, and takes care of baby corals, yeah? That's right, yeah. And I call it Charm. Mm. And I learned this at NASA. When we create new projects, we like to put acronyms on things. Even NASA mm. itself is an acronym. And the way we do it, I'll show you a secret come up with this idea and you think of all the things it relates to, the nouns, the adjectives, the verbs, like it's a coral, it's related to robots, maybe there's machine and automation. And what you do is you take every first letter of every word and you put it in a scramble sheet finder. I just flipped through and I was like, oh, I landed on charm pretty quickly. I was like, yeah, I like the thing I invented that. <laughs> Love that. Um, but the, the principle of the machine is taking off the shelf parts like you see with 3D printers and gantry systems um, and then looking at the scientists who are, you know, in, in an industry of growing coral, a lot of them doing it on land. So I said, well, why don't we just take what exists off the shelf, 
and stick it on top of what people are currently using as a best practice and figure out what kind of interaction or end effect that machine can do. And when you take care of coral, you got to inspect them. So I've got a camera with machine vision and AI to look at which species and to see if there's pests. Um, I've also got flow control with nozzles so I can add water like a toothpick and I can clean away coral like you would brush your teeth at the dentist. I can also add food and mix feed like medicine. I can also reverse the flow and suck it out like a siphon in a vacuum. And the last thing I can do is add air bubbles. Bubbles are great for oxygenation, great for lifting algae, and just generally lots of fun because who doesn't love bubbles, right? And then the last piece is a very special motorized tool. It's a rotary tool which can have different attachments. Some of them think of them like a, a giant uh, toilet brush. It's scrubbing the tanks and the sides where algae will grow, but you can put on really fine ones to clean around the coral or get at a specific area. I can put cutters to cut through a coral and frag them or even drill into a particular sediment. And then I've also got designing uh, soft robotic grippers like hands to pick up coral. So when you think of aquaculture, we need to, in restoration of coral, we need to think large scale, yeah. long runs. So that's going to require what we call high throughput. So something comes in and something goes out. So in this case, step one, we need to grow lots of coral. And then step two, we need to somehow transport them into the ocean. And then step three, we need to stop screwing up the ocean. Mm. It should have been step zero, but we're doing the scenic route on this. So going from step one to step two, how do we pick up and place coral in the ocean? And that's where this soft robotic gripper is going to be helpful. Man, are you doing this all yourself? Do you have a team, kind of? Or do yeah, you have look, some coders look. and stuff that are helping you? Because I'm like, it sounds like you've got... <laughs> like, I don't even... I mean, this, it's probably not the time for this chat today. We'll chat about this on the five-hour drive home from Dubbo. Sure, sure. <laughs> but, like, I just don't understand. I was looking at your computer before, how computer coding works, how you, like, create a command for a robot to do something. <laughs> like, I mean, It's magic, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it, it, and that's the cool part. And I want to inspire these kids because... The more I learn about science and like magnetism, and the more I'm convinced magic is real. Like, I mean, close your eyes, you could have nothing. The universe could just totally not exist, but open your eyes and you've got all this wonder around you, these amazing people, but this world in front of us with technology and code that you can learn to manipulate. And I can press a button right now and move my machine that's 3,000 kilometers mm. away. You know, when people at NASA get excited, like you can type in code and it goes to Mars and moves the Mars rover. I mean, we can do the same thing here, but rather than searching for life, we can take care of it. Yeah, it's so amazing. And the last thing I want to quickly talk to you about, and this is that social element, I think what you've done, you've really obviously created an amazing product, the robot to do this the software behind it. But you've also turned it into a social cause where people can get involved and you can adopt a coral, yeah? And then mm. you're going to be able to press a button to feed it and gamify it as well. So do you yeah. want to tell me a bit about that? If people listening are like, oh, that sounds so cool. How can I look up online about this? And then, yeah, how can I um, adopt yeah. a coral? Yeah, so, so that, that brings it back to like people want to help. And I know people at the bottom of their hearts do, but everyone's got different life, life stories. You might have a weekend or you might have a week or maybe just a couple bucks. Uh, and when you think of like today's technology where you double tap, how do you get someone to how do you get someone to actively contribute with a single tap? If I could make one button and it helped the reef, could I get everyone to press it? Mm. And so the the idea with these coral charms is it's uh, creating a twin. So you engrave your name on a ceramic plug where we grow coral and you get to keep one for home. 
while we keep one for the reef. We grow coral together. And that's what I'm hoping is that all these students or all these online communities, everyone can feel and know with transparency that they are contributing to helping the coral reef. And the final part is once the coral are big and strong enough, I want to pull people up to Magnetic Island or wherever the robot goes next. And we can together put those coral in the ocean. And you can go visit it. It's so cool because like you said, I feel like so often when it comes to social causes, charities, you donate your money and you're like, who knows where it's going. Mm -hmm. Whereas with yours, you pay your whatever, you buy the piece of coral and you directly contributed to that piece of coral and yeah you can go up and visit it hopefully one day and go and see that piece of coral that you directly contributed to bringing back life to the earth yeah and i just launched this weekend actually a website so you have an id number on every one of your unique id on your code or your coral piece um, so that when you type it into the website you can see the most recent image you can see the live feed and you can press a button to feed it so you can actually just keep it in your pocket, kind of like a Tamagotchi. Oh, so, so cool. The idea is, is connection. How do we, being all the way here in Dubbo, New South Wales, get these kids connected to a coral and develop a relationship as if they were family or a, mm. you know their own pet. That relationship is created by machine. And we're using these tools to build a community. And the community extends far beyond just us as humans but really uh, the kingdom of animals, mm. which we need to think a little more holistically about. Man, how cool. And and lastly, what is it? what were some of the questions some of the kids came and asked you afterwards? I saw a bunch oh, of them were hanging around for some questions. That, what are some of the questions from little kids? Well, not your little kids, year 10 students. Yeah, about, um, oh, that made me so happy. Like that to me just means that I did something right because I inspired one student. But then I see there's about like 10 or 15 that have come up, give with the thumbs up and questions. They were asking like, what's the material made of? How do you laser engrave it? So how can we get a coral? Like, what's the process? Talking about genetics of coral and the whole process of growing and starting from a bait. Like they just, these kids are wicked smart. Mm. <laughs> and it, it makes you really just get excited that they've actively thought of and prepared questions. And mm. every time I answered one, it was like two new popped up. Mm. And so I was just... Super, I could have stayed here all day. Yeah, talking to them. It's just a curiosity. Like one of the girls we had on the podcast, she was like, I was like, What'd you get out of today? And she's like, Mainly my mind's more open. And I was like, That's all you could ask for. As someone who's a keynote speaker, someone who's sharing their story, you can never expect someone to go and take action. But if you can change someone's mind to think a bit differently about a topic and it's like, Oh, maybe I can make an impact, then that's mm. all we can really do. You know, there's this, um, the three categories of of knowledge there's what you know you know there's what you know you don't know but then there's what you don't know what you don't know mm. and growing up you need to be exposed to what's possible sometimes you need to be fully immersed but even if in a presentation like today you know having people share what they've done in their life and say this is possible mm. and once you know it's possible everything changes mm. um and you know you see people like Uncle Desmond, like, to have the power of art be able to stop a uranium mine, like, that I didn't know was possible. Mm. I know art is powerful, but I did not know art could be used like that. Yeah. So, you know, these takeaways, I, I love the exposure myself. I get so many takeaways. 
And I'm grateful that I can even provide a little bit of inspiration for these kids. Mate, well, you definitely did. I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast got um some fascination about what you do with the coral too, man. But like I said, we are mates. I'm going to um get you on for a full chat because it sounds like you've had please quite the experience and, and I'm really excited to get to rewind and go the whole way through it. You got a little taster today, so keep an eye out for um a full episode with Stephen coming up in the future. But mate, thanks so much for jumping on. Good Coop- podcast. Cooper, I love hanging out with you. I want to do it some more. Yeah, we will. We will. All right. Well, everyone listening, this has been um yeah, a short little episode. Good Humans podcast out here at Dubbo High School at St. John's College. Listen to the principal, some of the teachers, um, a few of the students, and then Stephen, one of our guest speakers out at the event. Thanks for tuning in. See you all soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.